We're in Luke uh, chapter 19, and today we're, we're beginning in verse 28. And, and this uh, block of scriptures typically or most commonly referred to as describes the triumphal entry of the Lord into Jerusalem. And, and uh, we'll just uh, read uh, verse uh, 28 through 40 of Luke chapter 19. <clears throat> and when he had thus spoken, he went before ascending up to Jerusalem. And it came to pass when he was come nigh to Bethphage and Bethany at the mount called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying, Go you into the village over against you, in the which at your entering you shall find a colt tied, whereon never yet man set. Loose him and bring him hither. And if any man ask you, Why do you loose him? Thus shall you say to them, Because the Lord hath need of him. And they that were sent went their way, and they found even as he had said unto them. And as they were loosing the colt, the owners thereof said unto them, Why loose ye the colt? And they said, The Lord hath need of him. And they brought him to Jesus, and they cast their garments upon the colt, and they sat Jesus thereon. And as he went, they spread their clothes in the way. And when he was come nigh, even now at the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed be the King that cometh in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory to the highest. And some of the Pharisees from among the multitude said unto him, Master, rebuke thy disciples. And he answered and said unto them, I tell you that if these should hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry out. And so that's the text that we're going to be looking at today. And we need to kind of keep everything in in context here and focus. And, and the, the name of our title comes today is uh, uh, Thy King Cometh. And, you know, it's it's interesting that we have, we have, remember that the the Passover is like in six days from this time that we're reading about today, and remember the Jews were required to to attend these certain feasts annually. There are several three three or five feasts they had to attend every every year, and and so this Jerusalem would have been teeming with people that had come from all over to attend the Passover feast. And there was probably hundreds of thousands of Jews there in the city at, at this time. And a, a little bit later, uh, at the close of this chapter, Jesus describes some things that are going to happen to Jerusalem. And he, uh, the Josephus, the Jew, Jewish historian, estimated that at the Passover that he was describing, there were as many as three million Jews in the city for that that time, so a lot of people there, a lot of folks, and I am. I would venture to say that there was probably not a only a handful that hadn't heard about Jesus. He'd been for three years. He'd been traveling the land and raising people from the dead, and doing all you know all kinds of miracles and things, and so they knew Jesus was near, and uh, he's. Uh, as we looked at our our uh, kind of our graphic from before where he came up from from Jericho eight hundred feet below sea level to the Mount of Olives, which was a, 
an elevation rise of about 4,000 feet in 14 miles. Uh, quite a quite a change there. And, and as he as you would come up this trail, you would come to Bethany, which was a couple of miles out of Jerusalem, and then next you would come to Bethphage, which was about half a mile, or what the what we looked at last week was that that was about the limit of the distance you could travel on the Sabbath day without breaking the Sabbath law. A Sabbath it's called a Sabbath day's journey from Jerusalem, <clears throat> and. Uh, <clears throat> So in John chapter 12, uh, it, it tells us that there was a multitude of people in the city and they knew that he was in Bethany with, uh, with uh, Lazarus and Mary and, the, and her sister and, and they wanted to see Jesus and they wanted to see Lazarus who, who he had raised from the dead. They were, they, oh, I want to go see that. And, and then it says the next day, they came out to meet him when he started to make his journey in. So a great multitude of Jews would come out of the eastern gate of the city and come up the hill to meet him, and 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 so that's kind of where we're where we're at today. And 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 we have a great contrast presented here, and it's very valuable for the for the church. The people they had expectations of Jesus that were just wrong. Just and it, and it's no different today. People have all kinds of ideas about what Jesus is, who he is, what his purpose is, and uh, it's just all wrong. <laughs> just all wrong. And you know they hope for deliverance, but in a physical way. They wanted relief. They wanted to be delivered from the Roman government. That was the the main thing. And they some of them knew that Messiah was coming. <clears throat> but they had this expectation that when Messiah came, he would throw off the Roman yoke, and they would, even the disciples that were with him in Acts chapter 1 said, when he appeared to them after the resurrection, said, will thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? So that that was their mindset at the time, and and it it took a while for the Spirit to guide them into the truth of his purpose and why he was there. And, and he said a lot of things to them. And later on he would say, well, remember when I was yet with you, I said this. Well, here's what that means. And, and the Spirit delivered the, the, the spiritual truth to them. And, and so they expected uh, deliverance from the Roman Empire. But as we go down through Luke, we get down to verse 44 through 40, uh, 41 through 44. He says, not only is that not going to happen, but something far worse is going to happen. He said, there is going to come a time when the armies are going to besiege this city. <clears throat> They're going to surround it, and it's going to be horrible. And when they get done, there's not going to be one stone left upon another that's not torn down. And when we get to that, we'll look at that. But that's recorded at what happened there under the Roman general Vespasius. Uh, uh, he came in because of, there was a Roman insurrection in 70 AD, or a Jewish insurrection in 70 AD. They came and surrounded the city and besieged it with these three million people in there and, and starved them to death and 
and they were dying by the hundreds. There were so many people dying, they were throwing them over the wall because they couldn't bury them, they couldn't deal with it. Gangs roaming the streets and killing people for just the most uh, insignificant things and atrocious things. And So we'll cover that a little bit more when we get there. But in this passage, <clears throat> we have a culmination of what was foreordained by the God the Father. And it was prophesied of in the Old Testament, Zechariah 9.9. Norm's been through that here in his study of Zechariah, and we've mentioned it a couple times in our Bible class here. Uh, Zechariah 9 9, and it's also in Daniel chapter 9, verse uh, 24 through 27. <clears throat> it gives the exact timing of when Messiah will come and be cut off. <laughs> I mean, right down, it's pretty, pretty uh, specific. Messiah will be cut off, but not for himself. Isn't that interesting? You'd think that the people that are promoting the idea that Jesus became a sinner would take a look at that verse and say, well, he was cut off, but not for himself. If he was not cut off for himself, then he was cut off for somebody else. (laughs) So uh, enough said about that. But uh, Zechariah 9, 9, Behold, your king cometh lowly and... and, Rejoice greatly. Zechariah 9 9. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of, Zion, of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee, and he is just and having salvation, lowly and riding upon an ass, upon the colt, the foal of an ass. And Norman spent quite a bit of time on that uh, back uh, months ago in Zechariah 9 9. And so today's text deals with that what a sweet declaration even though the people that were shouting it out and hollering the hosannas and things didn't really have a grasp of what the significance of it was they were nonetheless foreordained to cry those things out to shout those things out he was and is king of kings and lord of lords and he is uh, for and with his people he was Remember our our text from uh, Luke nineteen ten. He he says, "I am come to seek and to save that which is lost." And that's that that's a specific. That's a very specific thing. He says he didn't just come to. He said, "I didn't just come to seek and save anything." He said that a specific item which was lost to seek and to save that which was lost and <clears throat> that. That which he's talking about ultimately and by implication reveals something that was previously possessed. If I had that, it means that I possessed that at one time. <laughs> if I had that computer and lost it, it at one time it was mine. And so he's kind of inferring that, and that's what he reports in in uh, about the. The, it's in this case it's persons it's the church it's the elect the, the sheep which are inferred in any reports that in John chapter 17 in that kingly prayer of Jesus that the father had given him a people they were his eternally and because of their lost condition due to the fall he, he gave them to his son to redeem and then to present them back spotless and without sin without wrinkle covered with the righteousness of Christ who paid their redemption price with his blood and that's why he is in the outskirts of Jerusalem 
and he's going to be there this week kind of coming and going. And it's the last time that he is uh, coming to Jerusalem in that in that uh, that uh, particular time. <clears throat> in John 17, 1 uh, th- through 6, it says, These words spake Jesus in his prayer there, and he lifted up his eyes to heaven and he said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy Son, that thy Son also may glorify thee, as thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. He's got power over all flesh, but he's going to give eternal life to those whom the Father had given him. And he's going to have judgment on the others. And that's what we're, we're kind of seeing that kind of come to a culmination here in Luke 19, where he... You know, they're expecting these things of him. They have these wrong expectations of him. And they're thinking he's coming as an earthly, physical king. And he says, not only am I not going to deliver you, but the Romans are going to come and just kill you. (laughs) Uh, They're going to deliver judgment. And uh, so uh, that that wrong interpretation, that wrong expectation. And... He says, and this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. He was the lamb slain from before the foundation of the world. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world Thine they were, and there we come to that, that he came to seek and to save that which was lost. Thine they were, and thou gavest them me, and they have kept thy word. And what does that amount to? He says, they, they have believed in him whom thou hast sent. And, and that belief given to them. We believe not, we believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead. That's how how that belief comes. And so this text speaks so much of his almighty kingship, his sovereignty over all things. And, you know, he'd repeatedly told the disciples exactly which would that which would shortly transpire. Uh, in verse 22 of nine, chapter 19, he said, Then he took unto him the twelve and said unto them, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man shall be accomplished. For he shall be delivered unto the Gentiles, and shall be mocked, and spitefully entreated, and spitted on. And they shall scourge him, and put him to death, and the third day he shall rise again. How opposite of the expectations, how opposite of what they wanted Jesus to be. And it's no different in religion today. People have an idea of what they want Jesus to be, and they think that that's because that's what they want him to be, that's what he is. And, and in fact, he, he is not. Uh, uh, he is opposite of what our expectations are in our natural condition. He, you know, and he demonstrated time and time again his sovereign reign and control over all things. And <clears throat> previously he had demonstrated his almighty power over death, over wind, over storms, over the sea, over fish of the sea, over devils, over devastating disease like leprosy, uh, over blindness, uh, Luke eighteen forty four, where he, he was coming out of Jericho and healed the blind 
beggar there and uh, over animals. And this, in this case, we have a colt over uh, which never had man sat. Well, anybody that's been around livestock pretty much knows that if you get on an animal that has never been sat on, they're going to immediately try to dislodge you. <laughs> they're not into that. <laughs> By nature, that's... It's, be a very rare case where you could just go climb up on some strange beast and not get uh, ejected. So, uh, but this colt did what he was foreordained to do. Uh, <clears throat> we we have his example of him being sovereign over plants. Remember the fig tree in our previous lesson where he he, he expected to find fruit there and it was just leaves and and he said. From henceforth, nothing shall grow on thee, and it withered right before their eyes, and 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 they were all kind of shocked when that happened. <clears throat> and he was sovereign over the persons whom the, whom the Lord did call. He said, "Follow me," and none of them said, "Why?" or "What for?" or "I don't feel like it," or uh, "Not going to." They all said, "Well." We're willing in the day of thy power. <laughs> That's what happened. And he was sovereign over salvation. He said, Zacchaeus, today salvation has come to thy house, uh, in particular there. And and in this text, the people by divine cree, decree would cry out the title and nature of Christ, even though most of them didn't really re- understand or realize his true nature or purpose, in spite of the many works which... They, many of them had witnessed either they'd either saw it with their own eyes or heard about it from somebody that they had confidence in. Oh, I saw him! I saw him still the sea, or I saw the him cast out devils, and I saw him uh, he, raise a, a young man to life. I I saw him heal some lepers. I saw him cause a blind man to see. I saw him. I saw. I saw, and <clears throat> so. They're all there uh, being witnesses of many of the things that he did, even though they, some of them didn't may, maybe believe them or they didn't uh, uh, see them themselves, or, and maybe some of them did see them. So, you know, these, <clears throat> these gospel works, as it says in Hebrews chapter 4, these, these gospel works didn't profit the majority of them not being mixed with faith in them that heard them. And uh, and that's just the case even today. They each, it's interesting, you know, we each think, well, we're doing what we're motivated to do based on our own circumstances and situations. We And we react to those things. And then sometimes the Lord reveals to us, well, He caused all that. He causes it all whether we realize it or not. But sometimes he's pleased to reveal it to us and say, you know, I caused that to happen to accomplish what I wanted. Paul said, after he listed all these myriad of things that went wrong, (laughs) oh, I was shipwrecked, stoned, whipped, and cast in jail, and beaten, and left for dead. And uh, He says, but all these things turned out to be for the furtherance of the gospel and boy what a blessing to be able to look back and see that you know and <clears throat> so we're, we're all here in this very building because God has worked all things for good for us to, to draw us together here at this very 
point in time. And, and these people in Jerusalem are there for the very same, the same purpose. They each did what seemed, uh, seemed to be motivated to do within themselves, although their very words and actions were before determined to be done by God Almighty, because the Scripture says that. Uh, even the very donkey was chosen and foreordained for God's purpose, chosen in eternity, declared in the Gospel of Zechariah, some uh, chapter 9, some 550 years before the very act. The donkey was set apart for the service of the Lord. <clears throat> in Luke 19.30, in our text today, says, Go you into the village over against you, in which... At your entering you shall find a colt tied whereon yet never man set. Loose him and bring him thither. Well, he caused that to be written 550 years before. And since he was the lamb slain from before the foundation of the world, it was in, in his determinate counsel from the same eternity. So uh, all these things according to his purpose. And, you know, that donkey didn't resist the call and service of the Creator, the Master, the Messiah. <clears throat> and, and then we have the people saying, Blessed be the King that cometh in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Well, that comes from a psalm. That was a coronation uh, song from Psalms 118, I believe, where the people uh, said those very same things. And in a picture of what was going to happen at this time. And in Isaiah chapter 12, verse 6, it says, Cry out and shout, thou inhabitant of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel in the midst of thee. And there he was in the midst of them, in his very person, and yet the vast majority of them didn't see him as the King. They didn't see him as the Messiah. They didn't see him as the Lord, the Savior. But, you know, it tells us in Acts 4.27 that for a truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together to do what thy counsel before determined to be done. And so it was written in Zechariah, it was determined in eternity, and at this point in time that God had foreordained, they actually did those things, they said those things. And, you know, there were, there were people that were foreordained to shout the hosannas of the king, and there were people that were foreordained to a few chapters later, they're going to say, crucify him, crucify him. Release unto us Barabbas, the murderer. They were foreordained to that. And, you know, it's interesting that up until this point, the Lord had, had kind of insisted that, that his notoriety really not be spread to the point that it, it's being spread here where he's, he's having a coronation, even if it is on, the, on a colt, coming into Jerusalem with thousands of people shouting hosannas and, and a praise to the king. And <clears throat> because now is the time for that to have the effect that was determined to happen from from all time for the 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 elders the Jews the religious folks to say ah they were distressed by this and we read that in in the next block of scripture where they 
They said, Master, rebuke thy disciple. The Pharisees, I think it's the last time that the Pharisees are mentioned in uh, in this gospel here. And and what they say is not, hallelujah, the Messiah is coming. It's stop him from accepting all this tribute as king and Lord. <laughs> stop that. Stop it. We don't want that. <clears throat> so they were gathered to do what was before ordained and uh, <clears throat> and when the enemy heard that they demanded that he rebuke the disciples the response of Jesus was you know I tell you that if these should hold their peace the stones would immediately cry out <laughs> isn't that interesting he says it, God has determined it and, it and caused it to be and and you can't stop it. Amen. What he de- what he before determined to be done shall be done. And you know, <clears throat> I read that that's possibly a reference to Habakkuk chapter two, uh, verse eleven, and he's crying out against the city. Habakkuk is according to the word of the Lord, and in, in chapter two, verse eleven, uh, <clears throat> and the city that he's crying out against uh, was established. The scripture says it was established in iniquity. <laughs> established in iniquity. It it was not a city that was founded on anything good. And, and, and Habakkuk 2.11 says, For the stone shall cry out of the wall, and the beam out of the timber shall answer it. Woe to him that buildeth the town with blood, and establish a city by iniquity. I, what a what a condemnation! And well, you know when he comes up to Jerusalem and he he's standing there on the Mount of Olives, and he's looking down at a city that that should have been something, but was not. And he goes down and casts out. He goes right to the temple and casts out the money changers <laughs> because they're violating what's written in the scriptures. It's, it was supposed to be a house of prayer, and he said, "You made it a den of thieves." They would, they the Jews would only allow shekels, Jewish shekels, to be used to to pay your tithes. Remember, in our one of our previous lessons, they had the in the temple they had the columns, and they had thirteen columns and thirteen boxes, and they had these brass funnel things that was, kind of stood up so people would come and cast their their money into the box and they were there was one for each tribe and then there was one for the unaffiliated and they could only cast shekels in there and so the 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 industrious Jewish people had these little tables set up out in the outer courtyard and if you had a drachma or a Roman coin or a Greek coin or some other kind of monetary thing they say well, we'll trade you eight of those for one of these. <laughs> and they would make a lot of money by by uh, trading the foreign coins, the unacceptable coins, for the coin that was acceptable. And what a spiritual picture with that. They were trying to create an acceptable coin, just like people do in religion today. We try to, we try to come up with uh, our own works in our own nature and and that's not acceptable uh, coinage with the lord that's <laughs> he only accepts one thing 
and that's the the blood of his son and and he says you've turned this into a den of thieves and and it's not the purpose he says this should have been a house of prayer and that's what it that's what it tells us in the old testament that my house is a house of a prayer <clears throat> so it it just shows that he looked down at jerusalem and and wept just wept just thinking about the effects of the fall and the far-reaching consequences of it and how it morphs into different aspects and this causes one thing and then then the fall morphs that into another evil consequence and that morphs into another evil consequence and and you know we see that in our everyday life things that things that were not tolerable when we were young people I won't say how many years ago now they're commonplace even they they're they've gone from being not acceptable to this is what is the expected this is the norm this is this is what we should strive for <coughs> and uh, and it's not going to improve <coughs> so as these people are crying out for the lord and shouting his hosannas you know there wasn't anybody that was going to be able to say the king was not there rejoice rejoice O greatly O daughter of Zion shout daughter of Jerusalem thy, thy king cometh unto thee he is just and having salvation lowly and riding upon an ass upon the colt the foal of an ass how many people were probably familiar with that Old Testament prophecy from from Zechariah. You know, he is and always was <clears throat> King of Kings and Lord of Lords, and he is just. He is, as sovereign king, he, he's here dispensing judgment and mercy. He's absolutely just, absolutely righteous. Uh, he's going to be cut off, but not for himself, because he is absolutely pure, absolutely sinless absolutely just he's immutable in all of his attributes so he can't change he's I, I i change not i am the lord i change not therefore you're not you sons of jacob aren't consumed uh, we depend on that we depend on his immutability in his attributes his nature and his work i change not <clears throat> he kept the law which we could never do even though the Jews said, whatever you say, we will do. And so then he gave them more stuff to do that they couldn't do and, and would never do. <clears throat> Think not that I'm come to destroy the law or the prophets. I'm not come to destroy, but to fulfill. That's an interesting verse there. I'm not come to destroy the law or the prophets. I'm come to fulfill exactly because... He said, Moses wrote of me. Everything that Moses wrote had to do with Christ. Everything he wrote had to do with the redemption of the church. <clears throat> For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, not one jot or one tittle shall fall in no wise, or shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. Tittle, a little, little punctuation mark above a, a vowel or something that you see in the writing that's what that little that's what that is it's, it's there for a purpose even a little thing like that is not going to be 
uh, not fulfilled. <clears throat> in Romans chapter 8, verse 3, it says, For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. He is just... He is totally righteous. And having salvation. <clears throat> he satisfied the justice. Being just. He satisfied the justice of God the Father. By taking our punishment on himself in our place. <clears throat> thereby, uh, thereby being able to impute his righteousness to the people God gave him to redeem from the foundation of the world. Having salvation. He's the possessor of it. He's the dispenser of it. Uh, <clears throat> you could uh, go back and read Isaiah 53.10. tells us that very thing, that he's satisfied. God looked down and saw the travail of his soul and was satisfied. And by his, uh, uh, by his uh, knowledge shall my righteous servant justify me. Many for he shall bear their iniquities. He, he's ha having salvation. He's the sovereign and sole possessor. The, he's the author and finisher of our faith, the scriptures tell us. The sovereign dispenser in, in John 5, 21 says, For as the Father raises up the dead and quicken them, even so the Son quickeneth whom he will. And in this he's one with the Father and with the Holy Spirit. They don't have different... Uh, Agendas. They have one agenda. They're, they are one and they are together. In the scripture in Acts 4.12 says, Neither is there salvation in any other. There's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. He is, he has, he's lowly, he is just, and he has salvation. And <clears throat> Jonah 2.9 says, I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I'll pay that I have vowed salvation is of the Lord. The pay what I have vowed. We, and that's just giving praise to God for for His uh, having salvation and being sovereign. <clears throat> the salvation of the righteous is of the Lord. He, he is the possessor of it, the dispenser of it. Psalm 37, 39. He that is our God is the God of salvation. And unto God the Lord belong the issues from death or the deliverance from death. You know, our King, He did come. He's delivered salvation through the offering of Himself on the cross. He was that Lamb. He's going to celebrate the Passover with His disciples, and then He is going to become the Passover Lamb at the conclusion of this Gospel. And and uh, and He at the same time, He's going to deliver salvation. He's going to deliver justice. And he's going to deliver righteousness to his people by imputation through his perfect offering. Our king, he came. Our king is coming again. So be free in that. Thank you for your attention. And next time, Jesus, as we mentioned earlier, Jesus weeps over the city as he looks down on Jerusalem. And he said, how oft would I have gathered you together and you would not. <laughs> how how terrible are the effects of the fall. Uh, 
So thank you for your attention and be free till the next message.